guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution. I'm so excited today. We are welcoming Kristen Jekalek to the TNT Mic. She is a longtime entrepreneur and marketing professional. She is the founder of Value Video Marketing, uh, experience in the fitness world with influencers, the whole nine. We are going to unpack her entrepreneurial journey and trial and error and balance and how some of our biggest failures lead to our biggest successes. It's an awesome conversation. Kristen, keep crushing. Let's catch up soon. Be sure to check us out on YouTube, Turmeric and Tequila. All the videos are up there. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I'm very excited. We are at PodMax. This is the third interview of the day. I have fellow Kristen, uh, we do spell it differently though, uh, on the mic. And she is the founder of Value Video Marketing. And she's got a plethora of marketing background and experience. I saw some influencer marketing in there. We're going to unpack that. And uh basically who she is as a human. You know, we always get to behind the people behind the business first and then go from there. So without further ado, Kristen, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Kristen, thank you so much for having me. I honestly talked to so few Kristens in life. This is kind of funny and a little bit surreal. Really? That's, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I run into a million Kristens. And please say your last name. I, I strategically do not say it because I'm going to butcher it. And if you know, listen to Turmeric and Tequila, you know this always happens. So I'll let her say it correctly. My name is Kristen Jekalek. Jekalek. We'll get it. We'll get it one day. Maybe for our second interview. <laughs> I don't blame you. Most yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. It's the least we can do as host, but it's, it's a skill I'm acquiring. Uh, but tell us about your young self. How to, Give us a little bit of the background so we can understand how we got to where we are today. Um, I mean, where I got today is not at all a linear path. It's not something I would recommend anyone else try to replicate in their own lives because it's not going to work. Um, I started off as a really shy, really quiet, brainiac kid. Um, and it took me a long time to learn how to like open up socially and to, and to learn that I could go after the things I wanted in life, but I didn't have to follow this quote unquote path that I'm supposed to take, that I could really live any life that I wanted to and be a lot happier. Well, I'm, well, tell us a little bit about that, that, um, I started to make tequila because I wanted, I come from marketing branding space and I really wanted to start highlighting the truth and real influencers out there, meaning people that are doing significant things in this world, not just naked on Instagram with a million followers, which if that's your heart, follow it. Um, but I really wanted to start, you know, clearing out some of these smoke and mirrors, but that's because I saw so many things where I was like, mm, that's not real. How did you get to this point where you started to do what you really wanted to do and you disrupted the path you thought you were supposed to be taking? Well, that decision wasn't one that I entirely made for myself. So I had been working a corporate job in my mid twenties. And that was when I first discovered that like, quote unquote, people like me could be entrepreneurs. So I caught that bug and started side hustling immediately. Um, but unfortunately, I had um, started suffering from some really severe health issues. I got worse and worse and got to the point where I wasn't able to hold a job. Like I couldn't even work from bed on my laptop part-time. Like 
like could not do it, wasn't capable. And I was lucky enough to have already started my entrepreneurship journey because I had an app in the app store that was just selling on autopilot. And while it wasn't totally enough money to live off of, it was phenomenal to have that income when I was otherwise unable to work. And it has just become my life's mission to always have that that business income there to support me because you never know what's going to happen in life. Yeah. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed. Especially in 2020 and now 2021, uh, that personal responsibility and security and everything else really hits home. I think people just think, well, get the corporate job, do the thing, you'll have the security. And well, what if, what if you don't? And what if you have, you know, kiddos and husband or wife and all that, like you have all these responsibilities, you better have it right before you have all that. So you're equipped if, if the bottom does fall out. And even if everything works out in life, having that peace of mind, I think is, is critical. Um, in addition, I want to lean into the health piece a little bit, turmeric tequila or I'm a longtime athlete and, and I also love to have fun. So that's the juxtaposition of, of being all things. Um, health is wealth to me. So if you're not healthy, whatever it may be mentally, physically, serious disease, or in a bad relationship, any, any point of like not in when you're healthy, I think really distracts you from enjoying any angle of life. How did you, uh, maintain any sort of, if you weren't really able to, to work on a normal job, um, how did you maintain the mindset to be wanting to work at all? And then how did you get healthier, get back onto your normal track? Yeah. So for me, like I was actually like super focused on health when I got ill, I was probably overly focused on health. When I got ill, I was doing CrossFit several days a week at the time. <laughs> I was slippery big, slope. <laughs> I was, I was big into paleo at the time. So like super strict diet, super strict workout routine. And I was in a mindset where like, I didn't really care what I wanted or what I enjoyed. I was just going to do everything I thought I was supposed to do. And I ran myself into the ground because at some point when you have health issues, you need to reel it in a little bit mm -hmm. because when you have health issues, more exercise doesn't mean you're more healthy. It typically means the opposite. You're going to run yourself into the ground. And that was part of right. what I did there. And, um, being able to work was something that I could not wait to get back to. It was like that one like shining star, like my like my North Star through my health issues of like, it's yeah, it's great to like be able to feel good again, but like I need to be able to work again. That is super, super important to me. So like that drive to work was always there. Yeah. My, my real breakthrough and my healing journey though, was finally having a connection with my inner self and realizing that my wants and desires and what I enjoy isn't just about feeling good. It's actually crucial for health. Yeah. It wasn't until I was able to sit back and realize that resting isn't always being lazy, that sometimes resting is being active in the way you need to be, um, that my body started to get what it needed so that all of those healing mechanisms that we're born with could actually function properly and start helping me get better once I gave it more of what it needed. Yes. And people don't usually associate, um, like mental health or just not feeling good or being frustrated with physical health. And what people don't understand is that can manifest into your body, your organs. Um, I was a long time. Were you a CrossFit competitor? I was getting into that headspace of becoming a competitor when I started to get ill. 
Okay. We we did we started doing it like 2008. So it was right before like the games were big and we're not by 2009 we were at the games competing and then from there I had competed for 5 years and in the mix and I really battled with like the paleo and weighing your food cuz that's not my personality at all. Hence like again I was a lacrosse kid, we're notorious for the party. When we get when it's business time, it's business time and this so when CrossFit came along and, and then it started it was fun and we didn't care we'd like crush a beer and then go work out. Then it got really really intense and I was like, mm, "Okay, well I'm not making money from this, which at some point I actually did work for Reebok for cross. So it, my world did intertwine. However, I could never fully assimilate to this very strict paleo. Da, 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 and then like the training was way too much. And this is before we really knew what we were doing. Although I was a long time athlete and I hold a lot of personal responsibility for we way overtrained, beat the crap out of our bodies, the, the whole thing. Um, and so I started to like resent it and not like it. And it's only until recently, like I got into it and actually like appreciate it. But the, my long winded point, as I was going through it, I, I started the coaching and some of the athletes, like I morally didn't agree with what, what some of the things were going on and my liver enzymes were popping up. Like I would, and I, and what I do, I do a lot with like human optimization, health and wellness. I get to do all this stuff for free. So I was having these really crazy tests and like some weird things are popping up and they're like tequila, like, mm, is it the liver and the tequila? And I'm like, no, like we're not even like drinking right now. Cause we're counting our calories and all this crap. And it was, I, it was associated with anger. I was angry with this situation and it was physically showing up. And then I had adrenal fatigue and all this crap. Point being, it's, I didn't fully understand, like you just said, connected with your inner self, how much our emotions, not only just weigh us down, like mindset, what have you, but physically are manifesting into physical issues in your body. So if you don't address it, if you're already ill or if you're already like immune, um, uh, exposed to other things, or you have something, if you're not dealing with the emotional side, that will come to the physical. Like that's a huge piece of it. What was the main piece that, I mean, what was the light bulb for you that like connected that dot and that you, that inspired you to pivot? So I was still very much in the depths of my initial health crisis. I had been to doctor after doctor and they all did all the blood work and they were like, mm -hmm. you're fine. You just need to like stress less and sleep more. Yeah. And that could not have been further from the truth. Like once I found the right kind of doctor to work with me and they did the right kind of blood work, there was all sorts of stuff that was wrong, but conventional doctors don't know to look for this stuff. Um, so I had started to turn to alternative healthcare because A, those people believed me when I told them what was going on with me. They didn't dismiss me and write me off. Um, and they had solutions for what was going on with me. And and uh, a health coach I worked with um, who I very carefully chose because she had gone through almost the exact same thing I went through. Like the parallels in our story were scary, similar. Um, working with her, I had, I had started to really realize that I was having an identity crisis. Like I had identified as a crossfitter. I had identified as a consultant, as a certain type of friend, as a certain type of girlfriend. And, and I had lost all of those identities and things that I used to do because I couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And, and through working with her, she helped me have the epiphany that there is still a Kristen here. There is still a being worthy of everything that she wants in life, regardless of what she is or is not doing, regardless of what she is capable or not capable of doing at any moment. And once I had that, that epiphany, that's when I was able to start doing meditation and start connecting in and saying, well, like, okay, what is here? Let's discover what continues to persist regardless of my external circumstances. 
that that's amazing. And I, it, it's, I love when I hear all these, um, like we have these really complicated conversations around health and then we go back to what it's not really simple, but a simple solution. And I know there's a multitude of solutions that have to take play here, but meditation, um, just being quiet and sitting with yourself and, or journaling, like some of these things that it's not necessarily like mix all these herbs or take this medication or go run a mile or like do this diet. Like it's, it's really simple things that we should be doing as young humans. Like I think they should teach and some schools actually are very progressive in teaching meditation and, and just fostering that, that conversation as a young human of how do I actually feel? Do I actually want to be doing this? Do I like this person? Am I comfortable in this environment? Um, these are really important skill sets that are far overlooked in the Western world. Uh, and, and we're blessed when we have people from different mindset that come into our realities that then can, you know, foster our journey into questioning that better way. And outside of just the few things that we've been exposed to. Once, once you are on like that right path and, um, you kind of had your identity dialed in, did you let go of everything, all these other identities that you hung on to for a while? Or did you like le let some of these come back in? That that's a good question. Cause that was definitely a struggle for me. Like when I did regain my health, like one of the first things I went back to was heavy lifting. Like that was like what I loved about CrossFit was doing like a big, heavy deadlift. And one of the super cool things was like, even though I could like barely walk for a couple years, once my body healed and I could like work out again, I had retained most of my strength. Like my first heavy lift after barely being able to like work out for like two, two and a half years was 185 pounds. And as like 130 pound person, I was like, this is shocking that I could, that I've retained this much of my strength. And it just gave me the sense of like, awe for my body, like how much it was still working and maintaining itself in the ways that it had been able to, even though other parts weren't functioning, like the body's truly amazing. We take it yeah. so for granted what it is doing for us all day, every single day. Did you have any fear? I completely agree with you. I watch um, my 600 pound life. I don't know if you know that show, but it's basically people that are over 600 pounds. It's not really about like weight gain or a show. It's about trauma and then how they deal with it and what it's, blows my mind every time I see these bodies of, of these, of the people be able to process this amount of food and, and this amount of trauma, it's all trauma related. So the show in itself is very fast. The process, I love transformation, um, is, is, is always incredible. And I really in awe of all of the people that can really gain hold and come over the, the addiction. Um, but I can't believe the body can sustain in, in under like the circumstance that it's put under. And you, the reverse of that is the super hard training, the super hard lifting, like your body really is miraculous in what it can do. And if you can treat it kindly and figure out how your body works, cause there's not one prescription for every human. Um, it, it really can work in magnificent ways. And then once you connect it with your mind and your brain, which are also two different things, then you're, you're kind of unstoppable. Like it's, it's a crazy combination. <laughs> and again, I kind of, I don't know if you can weigh in on this, but I wish we would have known some of this when we were young people and having some sort of this skill set in our minds that this is possible. You know, I think about that often and I really don't think I would have been able to process that type of message back then. It was so yeah. far from my worldview yeah. and my world experience. Like I would have been like, you're crazy. You're some woo-woo yeah. person. I'll never get yes. out of here. <laughs> I mean, that is also truth. Uh, universe, I would say universe, God, Madonna, whatever you believe um, I'm here for. Uh, it is timing. And like some things you just got to be ready to, to take on. So, you know, <laughs> it's, we only have so much control. Um, well, okay. So now tell me how, as you're creating this, business um how did all of this lead you into what you are doing right now tell us a little little bit about the entrepreneurial setup and and what you're where you're moving forward towards 
Oh my goodness. So my entrepreneurial journey is rife with um, a few successes, but mostly a ton of failure. Um, My entrepreneurial journey has been all over the map in part because of my health issues. Like you just can't devote yourself to a business the way you need to whenever you're dealing with health issues. So there've been a lot of starts and stops due to that. Um, And basically my current business came out of another business failure. Um, I had launched a resilience coaching business in late 2019 that I was promoting and getting a lot of in-person events going when the quarantine hit and all those in-person events got canceled um, because people weren't yet comfortable with Zoom and people weren't sure what to do. And um, so I started making marketing videos to promote what I was doing. And within a few months, um, the universe hit me over the head, like over and over and over again. People kept asking me, well, how do you make those videos? Who's doing that? How do I have videos like that? And I realized that this is a skill set I have that people want to pay me for. And as much as I really like had a lot of passion about this resilience coaching, because it's one of the things that I've really developed as a core skill set, and I know how important important it is for other people to to develop that skill set. The the video stuff just led me to the prospect of stable income way faster than resilience coaching was at the time. So having an entrepreneurial mindset of like looking for the best opportunity and being willing to pivot um, is how you learn to fail forward instead of just failing. Because if I had stopped on my entrepreneurial journey, like you know, 10 years ago, after I first got ill, I wouldn't be where I am today, but it's that persistence to keep going, that commitment to my, my lifestyle goals that entrepreneurship can give me a sense of that freedom, um, and just not accepting anything else, regardless of the path to get there. Absolutely. And this is why I love working with my fellow athletes. Cause you have, you do have this skill set, skill set early on, uh, whether you're competitive as a kid or not of you get kicked down, you get back up, you miss a hundred lifts and then you, you, you keep doing it. And then finally you nail your PR and it's, you, you not, that's part of the athletic process is failing or getting knocked over the ball stolen or whatever, but you keep going. There's no point of you being like, Oh, that's it. We're done. And so if you bring that into the entrepreneur world, any great entrepreneur knows your first idea usually doesn't work or that iteration of the idea doesn't, and it has to continue to evolve. And even from right now, it's going to evolve probably in the next six. I mean, look how fast our world's working in technology and everything else. It's crazy. Um, how, how are you, when you were talking to me about, uh, identity and, and trying to, you know, figure out what sticks and it's something that, you know, we kind of label and brand ourselves that make our own selves digestible to the rest of the world. Uh, how are you with boundaries in general? Boundaries are something I have had to learn the hard way. I ne- I didn't have any boundaries in my life for way too long. And even like through my healing journey, I've had to develop boundaries, hard, hard boundaries. And like my number one boundary right now is time and resources for my health, any business, any relationship, friendship, whatever, those health boundaries are in place first and foremost before anything else in my life. Because even now, um, I will suffer from lack of sleep or too much stress faster than the average person because of my health history. So like, it just has to be a non-negotiable for me. And boundaries are such an interesting thing because they require really amazing self-awareness. You have to know what you actually need. And then you also have to be really good at communicating that out to the people around you in the way that they can hear it and understand it and respect it, and then continue to iterate on those boundaries with people as 
they evolve. It's, it's, it's one of those things that is, it's like a dance. It's like, it's a back and forth. Sometimes you go in circles, but at the end of it, hopefully you feel like it's been a really worthwhile use of your time and energy. Um, and I always love hearing about how other people came to this idea of boundaries. Cause some people had parents who taught them boundaries. Mm-hmm. People like me had to learn the hard way. So I like hearing about it. So like, how did you get into the whole boundaries thing? I, it's been a continuous conversation uh, for sure for me. And I, I think a lot of it did start with um, sports and fitness and then business because I'm somebody that gives 110%. And I, when people say that, I'm like, oh, cringe. Okay. Uh, but I, you can't, I can't shut it off. Like when I'm in, like I'm all in, I'm not just training. We're going to the games. I'm not just going to be a lacrosse player. We're going D1 top 20. And like, none of that is like, oh, you know, I'm so talented that can happen. No, it's like run through the wall a million times, switch the diet, train hard, find the right coach, like whatever. Uh, but it within that adrenal fatigue, I'm, I'm burned out on lacrosse. It's too much lacrosse. CrossFit, I've had you know three knee surgeries, and it's so the boundaries like you. I've had to run through the wall like the Kool Aid Man so many times. Where it's like, are you listening now? How about now? Okay, surgery five. Are you listening? Okay, I'm listening. Let's pull back. We're gonna learn. This is a boundary here. And then it was very um, mirrored like my relationship world. It's you know friends can just do whatever, and I'm I'm pretty actually laid back in life, so I'm like nah, it's not a big deal. And then pretty soon I'm like. Mm, actually you are kind of a piece of shit we need to get you out of this this realm because it's too much and i don't actually really care to have you in my world if we're really being honest and that's taken away from the relationships i do care about so it's kind of like this running theme of just being too lax too lackadaisical in one sense and then just too committed in another so the turmeric and tequila like juxtaposition is the branding is so real i don't know if people ever get it but hopefully listen to a few casts and do but i had to pull back and literally had adrenal fatigue where i was like so tapped out i'm like i don't want to train anymore we got to pull back and also the way the crossfit community that the gym i was part of i'm like this isn't really the they don't speak to my core values so boundaries are this continuing this continuing learning process and the key piece for me especially right now is what do I want in my life like I'm very clear on like personal relationship want to buy this certain house want to do this and if it doesn't fit into that mix it, it goes away including workout including friends including and that is that's a very harsh reality in my mind I'm again I'm we can be friends with them we're very chill that it's, it's weird, but now that I've created some space, it's sticking and I understand seeing good things come in. Um, so I, I've kind of wound it down to just this, do you actually want to be doing this? Is this meaningful? And that's sort of my process moving forward. Do you have some sort of like tip or trick that you do where you can dial back into your, your ground level boundary space? Um, yeah, you know the way you're the way you're framing this is having me think about it a little differently. So um, I don't have like a, a quick answer to this one, but I would say whenever um, I am, you know, I think whenever I like start to cross my own boundaries, I just start to get a little moody and a little irritated, and I kind of have to ask myself like, okay, like what's going on? What what? Why am I not chill? Like what have I not been paying enough attention to? And it really comes down to meditating, just even just sitting quietly by myself being there introspective, no distractions for 10 or 15 minutes is usually enough for me to get back in, to start asking the right questions. And I'm to the point where I've developed my inner relationship to the point that I can ask myself a question and very quickly, I'll get a clear emotional answer on something. And I value that. And I, and I listen to that intuition. I will ask it questions. I'll probe it, but I will trust that initial response, um, deeply, deeply. 
And um, yeah, I let that I let that guide me, and although I'm going like a little um, journey of like questioning around the edges to kind of figure out the boundary of um, the situation I'm in and what I need and what is happening that I need to get rid of. Oh, I love that uh, meditation goals. I I I love meditating. I've gotten to a point where I crave it, but I'm only doing like five to ten minutes a day. Um, you know, I have people like I don't have time, and I hate when they say that. But like, it only kind of fits in. Then I have three dogs, so like to really get quiet space is the situation. Uh, but the more I do it, the more I know my body craves it. But I would love to get to that place where you're very, very clear. Just walking around, I have gotten good about just feeling it, being like, Ugh. like even just being around certain people, you can you can feel naturally repelled. Um, I, there's a book called Truth Is a Frequency, and and they say you can even grab like a piece of food, like an orange or a candy bar, and you, leaning forward or back, your body will tell you if this is good or bad for you. And someone told me, like, if you go to like Whole Foods or some of these like hippie grocery stores, you'll see people standing there holding food. I haven't seen it yet, um, but they're leaning into their intuition if they should or should not eat something. So I believe in, I believe in physics. I believe in the woo. I'm, I love all the science. And I do think if you can even just sit for two seconds and be like, something's even just your body language, is like I'm pulling back, you know, something's off and that you should probably steer it away. The key piece is really that self-awareness and building that skill set to listen. It's there. You just have to really learn how to listen. Um, it, you know, and with this identity marketing branding professional, it, it resonates to me. And I'm sure you see this in the videos. You're creating imagery. You're building or uh, uh, helping build brand awareness. This brand, this identity, which is kind of this funny irony that like identity problem now you're creating or helping foster further identity with the videos. Um, do you do you work to not label or to label yourself with certain identities at this point? So I understand the the utility of having a brand and a business. Um, like, what do you stand for? What can people count on you for? What should people come to you for? Um, and that's very different than a personal identity. So, like personally, I really don't carry identities. I really just am and I understand that I have certain ways of behaving and showing up in different arenas in my life but it doesn't feel like I'm locked into an identity anymore and if things ebb and flow as they do like it's just another ebb and flow in what I'm doing as opposed to like who I am yeah um and, and I wanted to go back to something you were saying earlier about the uh about tapping in and knowing, is this good for me or is this bad for me? You know, I used to get really, really wrapped up in that, in that my initial response to those things. And then at some point I realized that sometimes that aversion to something is really fear and okay. sure. avoidance. And, and I've had to, that's why I do some of that questioning and probing into my initial responses, because I found out that I was, um, you know, there's this, this term like spiritual bypassing out there. When you use spiritual practices to avoid kind of being a good human to other people, I'd realized I was actually doing a little bit of that to myself and to others by not probing into what is a fear response and what is a clear higher self response is that something that you've noticed at all yeah absolutely well so we've done um uh with my consulting company we've worked with a lot of these like human optimization situations meaning like brain maps and um neurofeedback and like really intense stuff and then like life coaching and emdr and like some really high level stuff and my through line for all those things were usually if there's something that you that 
you judge like that girl annoys me or I don't like CrossFit or something. I don't know something that like repels you. And that's a little bit different than for me anyways, because I have unpacked some things where I like initially I feel repelled. That is a different feeling for me when I feel like I'm judging something. Usually that judgment in my experience is something that I am judging through myself. Like uh, that person's not strong. Well, I, that's because I don't feel strong for just a shallow end example. It's usually some reflection of how I'm feeling. So yes, I, I completely hear what you're saying and identify strongly. Uh, and I I think that's 99% of the time what it is. But I will say, I do think it's different than when you feel like an energy and you're like, like a protective mode. I do think that's a different. Yeah. And that's, and that's the interesting thing about like tapping in and listening is then interpreting what all of these different signals mean. Like I got very good at tapping in very early on, but it has taken me years to understand and translate everything and to know what to do about it. Yeah. Yeah. I I hear that. How, um, when you're working with these video clients, how deep do you go with some of this conversation to like better execute the, the, the task or the mission or the product that they so desire? So it really comes down to the client. Like, you know, one of my bigger clients um, is a heating oil and propane company. So we don't go very deep at all. (laughs) But when I'm working with like people who are coaches or consultants and their brand is really them, it's their personal brand, you need to go a little bit deeper to extract that stuff. And um, one of the things I've really loved doing most is getting into like core stories of my entrepreneurial clients and digging into a moment that taught them something and then sitting with them for an hour and pulling out all these details of that moment and then turning that into an impactful story that conveys something about them that people get to know um, them a little more deeply, see them a little bit more as a human and then also get a little bit of that like emotional response to their story um, when it's told um, in the right way. And when I say emotional response, I don't mean happy or sad. I mean, emotional response in terms of like the cortisol arising when you hear about someone's challenge and then like the dopamine and serotonin being re- released whenever you hear about how they resolved their issues and getting emotionally connected and attached to somebody like that. And those those personal stories are what I love doing most about video content, hands down. I, that, that's amazing. And that's pretty evolved conversation. The good news is I, I, we work with small companies, we work with big companies. I always love the smaller ones. Usually they just like startups. They don't usually have the budget to do all the things I'd love to do. However, they really get it and they're really dialed in my bigger and they're very progressive. My older companies or bigger companies that tend to be older, meaning they've been around for a while. Um, have a way of doing things. They've always done it that way. They did it. What they don't understand is the consumer has evolved. So when you talk about these things like cortisol and, you know, emotional speak, and that's very evolved conversation. I mean, maybe not really for us because we talk about this all the time. However, you said it to, you know, again, an old school been around forever business. That's a lot. Young, our younger, our consumers, they get it. So, and they get it at a much younger level. And then they're consuming accordingly. They're talking about Epsom salts and turmeric and um, EMDR and stretching and whatever. Like it's a very above conversation. So I always love to hear that you are like behind the wheel of helping create this message where now consumers are able to digest this information in a way. And you can totally fill that gap in meeting them at their needs, where they are physically at for their wants and what they're purchasing and intellectually. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I will say that like some people are definitely afraid to expose that side of themselves because they're afraid of being seen as weak, as Mm -hmm. being afraid of being seen as a failure. And it can take some convincing um, and some like deep conversation about why for people to get really comfortable 
getting to that place. I have the opposite problem. I, I will be too vulnerable, like right off the bat. I will talk about just about anything with anybody in any sort of public forum. I have no qualms about it because I have been helped myself hundreds of times by people who have been willing to share their stories and I've learned from them. Yeah, I think it's, I'm not the most vulnerable person. That's another process that will continue for me to be a piece of the puzzle. However, I think it's phenomenal for people like you that can do that to gamble it. Like maybe they will get it, maybe they won't, but man, if they do, that's such a win. Like that's such a win. And if you can emotionally handle it, I think it's amazing. If if it's a miss, it's a miss. But if not, and you really reach out and you connect, that that's so huge. And I really think that's how we move forward in society as a whole. And that's, I mean, we saw what's going on in the White House this past week and, you know, racism this year and it's been around forever. Like these are the conversations we really need to be having business branding aside who cares the human element that's where we progress um and i like that you you separated the brand with the human essentially because brand at this point is cringy even i'm like i do marketing and branding i'm like but it's really about the human and nah, whatever um but, but it's a conscious conversation and for me like i I, lo- I wear the jersey i do like i love that side of it and i understand how it's getting towards like brand sounds so not human it's the opposite of personification whatever that might be where it's you now you're just like you're a thing versus a human and that really that hurts my heart because the real goal like you were just saying is like we're not creating as professionals we're revealing what's already there and that's the key piece but that in itself is a conversation um can you execute that conversation or do you like navigate around some of these like deeper concepts in a more shallow water so it's more digestible for certain clients yeah, it's it's definitely kind of one of those things where you have to feel out the person and figure out kind of where to start that conversation with them. Um, I love what you said about the brand versus the person. Um, I think I think it is such a trap to think that a brand is defining you and you have to be what the brand dictates. Yes. Um, you can look at almost any brand and it evolves with the times. Like even Coca-Cola, they may have had the same colors and logo forever, but you know they they brought out those these uh, the polar bears like in the 90s. And even those polar bears have like evolved over the years to stay with the times. Like every brand is there to evolve and it's there to reflect what is being offered and who's offering not to define or constrict them. And I think that's such a crucial, crucial differentiation. So I love the way you said that because you got me thinking about it in a new way. And now I can talk about it a little bit better with my clients. I love it. Well, I actually want to like rebrand the word brand because I think if you can make brand just like your identity, meaning like all of you, turmeric and tequila, athlete and student, um, uh, yogi and, you know, you're a hippie and you're a, a meathead and whatever it is, you can be all these things. So to change the idea of like this, like cornered in boxed up thing to like this ever flowing, like snowball that continuously changes, like this brand is evolving, just like you're saying with the Coca-Cola bears and everything else. Like it can be a thing. We just, we've always prescribed this messaging to it forever, but really that's not what it is at all. So I I don't know. I'm hoping it's now that brands taken off because everyone has Instagram and social media. Well, it'll continue to evolve and to just like let it be. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit more about I saw you were doing you manage influencers with Kickstarter and everything else. Did that help facilitate with this journey in um video and, and helping like shape the way certain things look? Because influencers, another cringy word at this point. I actually printed shirts that said influencer because it's the most. And everyone that's naked on Instagram that has a million followers now is telling us how to live, which is a whole other podcast. But tell me about that experience because I know there's got to be a good chunk of learnings within that. 
Yeah. So my, my very first business, the app I'd mentioned earlier, um, I got that thing off the ground mostly through influencer marketing, which sure. back in 2010, 2011 was really just um, anybody who had an audience of your ideal customers. And my ideal customer was someone who was eating paleo. So I reached out to CrossFit gym owners, like 3000 people, like all across the US. Yeah and worked with them to help promote my app. I got on some really big um, like paleo influencer blogs, um, promoted my business that way. And, and influencer marketing, I don't just mean Instagram influencers. I mean, people who have audiences of people who, you, who you were, your ideal customer, I think is the fastest, highest leverage, lowest cost way yes. of building awareness of your brand and your product. So I, it's one of the first things I recommend to anybody who wants to grow their following. How do you, how do you just leverage their um, audiences? And um, I feel like there was another part to that question you asked me, but I'm blanking on it right now. Well, I just want to piggyback on what you said there. Yes. I think influencer marketing is the, the best and the most fast the most cost and time effective solution you can, particularly if you're starting up business and if you're progressive. However, major asterisks, you need to be able to filter your influencers, influencers and really know what they're doing, how, why, and if they are, there's actually conversion there. I think that's a larger conversation. I can tell you, you understand all those and you've kind of been through probably the filters of working with a few where you're like, mm, okay, that's a lot of, and I've actually managed a few, which is a, another podcast in itself as well. Um, but filtering and, and working with those people on the flip side, it's great because you do facilitate these really phenomenal relationships if you can find the right humans. Uh, the initial question was, did you have like stories within like working with Kickstarter and, and managing those influencers? And did that kind of supplement some of the journey now in how you do your marketing, and everything else for the, the video business? Mm -hmm. Um, so the way I launched the video business, um, is, is just through my network initially. So it was just people in my network hiring me and then people in my network giving me referrals, um, and doing more networking locally here in Philadelphia, getting more referrals that way. So I'm starting my, my business in a very traditional old school way, word of mouth. Yeah. And that's worked for me as I'm getting going. Cause as you know, like when you're starting, so when you're starting anything new, there is so much upfront work to be done. Like there's your website and honing in your messaging and there's some logo and branding work and it, like, it just kind of never ends. Um, so, you know, as I'm getting to a point where like, I'm hitting like my first like revenue goal, um, I need to re I need to shift how I'm spending my time and I need to reinvest back into marketing. Mm -hmm. So doing podcasts is how I'm leveraging influencer marketing right now. You have an audience of people that I might want to connect with. And the best way to get there is for us to have a great conversation that we both enjoy, that we both get to benefit from. Um, and everybody wins in a healthy influencer relationship. I've definitely been in a situation where somebody was trying, somebody wanted to hire me to help them influence or market a product that they had, but they were in, in a very unpopular niche of that market. Okay. And I have never in my life had so many people take their time to write back and tell me they don't want to work with us because oh, they wow. were so anti what we were doing and offering. It was a shocking okay. experience. So you really need to do a little bit of research and make sure yes. that there is a great fit between yes. what you're doing and the people that you're reaching out to, or you're just wasting your time and theirs. 
Right. And like you just said, the word of mouth, which is original, like OG influencer marketing before there was megaphone of social media. The thing that we need to recognize as marketers or business people, we're not only like, you know, offering a product, a service, a point of value, we're offering ourselves and our brand leverage, meaning our name, our identity, our, however you label it. Cause when that person says, Oh, who did you work with? I worked with Kristen Olson. Oh, well, we hate that, 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 that product that they work with, we're not going to work with them because of this. And it's like, wait, that's not even anything to do with, I. so there's a responsibility on our end to be like this, this kind of business, I appreciate you know, the opportunity, but it's not a fit for us long-term. And I think you have to be very protective of that space, just like your health, just like anything else. Cause we've now worked this long to build up this community, this, this idea of what we stand for, this, you know, our legacy or how, whatever it, that has to be protected because if you sell that for some cheap price, one job, whatever, you can't really rebuild that. It's like doing PR, or having an influencer that you know does some crazy post or a sex tape. Like you, none of this really goes away. And from the moral ground, not from just like I'm trying to make a million dollars. It's be who you truly are, and you can't let some of these filters come in that are not true. So, yeah, I've I've definitely had to carefully consider who to work with and who to not work with because I have found that if I'm taking a job just for the money. Mm-hmm. I, I can't deliver like in this creative capacity that I'm working. Um, it just doesn't come out of me the way it should when someone's paying me to do it. If I'm not into the company, the person, the offering. So like I need to do a gut check and make sure that I'm going to be doing them right when I accept them as a client. hundred percent. And that brings us full circle, you know, so easily in the conversation that it goes back to that internal and it's like, something's repelling me from this. Something's telling me I don't want to do this or I don't do this, whether that's, you know, me being insecure in this situation or me genuinely not thinking that this is a good idea or this is a bad, or whatever, something's off. So there's something we need to unpack there, but that signal, that smoke flare is huge and something that needs to be listened to. Yeah. It, it has to be listened to when it comes up and it like punches you in the face with an answer. Don't just brush it aside. Yeah. Cause then you put out work also that, that you don't really love and that's not a good representation. Um, we've got five minutes now, but, um, we can go on. And I, I, I so appreciate your energy and your evolved conversation. I, it's so poignant that you are on the front lines of our digital world where our young people are consuming. Cause I think it's so much more than work. You're actually putting out, you know, specific imagery and messaging that is impactful for this world. Um, in, in a nutshell, tell us a little bit how, why you guys are different and then where do we find you? So value video marketing really focuses on two different areas. We have two areas of expertise. One area is monthly SEO optimized video content for companies who are already investing in SEO and want to amplify the results they're seeing with SEO because video content is just going to get seen so much more than the blogs you're already creating. On the other side of the business, I teach professionals how to look more professional anywhere they're virtual through simple video trainings. This can be sales teams. I've worked with companies who host a lot of virtual events and want their speakers and moderators trained um, on a regular basis, or even just individual professionals or even a doctor who wanted to just have that more professional appearance wherever they're on video. The best place to connect with me and to learn more about what I do in my business or just say hi is to go to LinkedIn. You can just Google Kristen Jekalek, grab the spelling from the show notes, just copy and paste (laughs) it, um, put that into LinkedIn. I'm the only one on there and put a note in there about how you found me. Tell me you found me through turmeric and tequila through Kristen Olson's podcast. I love it. Yes. And I'm going to have to hit you up. I we've, I've leaned into YouTube and video the list of the to-do list, as you know, it, as you said, it's never ending. So you're just scrambling and uh, that's on my to-do list to really dial in. So we'll wrap at another point for sure. Um, But like I said, I really appreciate your time and energy. Uh, I wish you all the best. And I think we're already, we're connected on LinkedIn, right? I think I linked you last night. Yeah, you did. 
we try, we try. Uh, but I love what you're doing. And I hope that this uh, spiritual journey journey and identity and everything continues because I think that's, I hope at some point you're doing your own videos because this is really valuable content. And it's something that, again, I think our young people would love to hear, need to hear, and it would be a major point of value for humanity. So no pressure, but I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> I'll make sure I do it before I die. Okay. Hey, okay. On my bucket list. <laughs> Acceptable. All right. I'll let you run, but let's definitely keep in touch. All right. Thanks so much, Kristen. Thanks, thanks Kristen. Likewise. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.